Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities uh, and in Rochester. Way to go, you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online around the country and world. So glad you could be with us as well. Uh, before we dive in today, I want to give you a financial update. We are at the half point mark in our year. We go from July, July, fiscal year. So man, the, the, the good news is we are doing really, really well. Our budget up until the half point mark here is $22.6 million. Uh, we are at 22.3, just 300,000 below. 99% of our budget is, is, is in at the halfway mark. So I just want to say uh, to those of you who understand what we're trying to do, uh, reach as many people as we can for Christ around the world, uh, and you give uh, sacrificially and faithfully. But not only that, for kids' ministries, student ministries that happen, our global and local missions comes out of this budget. Uh, to plow one weekend snowstorm, to plow our campuses, $40,000. So it, it actually takes money to run a church, nine campuses, and all these things that are going on. I just want to applaud you and thank you so much. By the way, uh, not included in this budget was $1 million that this church raised and just gave it away to local and global partners that we have vetted and believe in who are doing a great work around the world uh, we raised that in one weekend uh, in November, and so that's, that's this is above and beyond that. So just way to go, those of you who give. I just am so grateful. Uh, the other uh, slide I want to show you is we are uh, going to build a campus in YZ on the west side and do some improvements at our White Bear Lake campus. And so last uh, uh, year ago, November, so we're a little over a year, it was $25 million goal. So far, 13.5. We're right on target. We're a little ahead of schedule there, but we have a remaining 11.5. Again, those of you who uh, understand what we're trying to do is, you know, our mission and, and, you know, getting beyond ourselves to reach others, just way to go. We're committed to being debt-free in this campaign. We want to build it with cash. We have been chasing down every lead on land on the west side of the Twin Cities and YZ. Land is very expensive out there. I don't know what's going on over there, but very expensive on the west side. So we've been chasing down every lead. We are in negotiation right now with a, with a promising piece of land, so you can pray for that. But I just want to say again, thank you to those of you who give. And those of you who aren't giving, uh, man, I just encourage you to get off the sidelines, be a part of what God is doing, and... Get in on the flow of what God wants to do in your life. Bible says, Jesus said, to those who give, much will be given back. So just so proud of this church. Way to go. We're in great shape, but keep on going. Uh, we are in a series called I've Got Issues. And if I asked you what your main issue is, what would it be? If you said anxiety, anger, fear, or loneliness, you'd be in great company. Those are universal issues. I personally have battled with each one of those from one degree to another. Jesus said, by the way, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a hard world to live in. In this world, you will have trouble. But then he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And we can overcome some of these issues in our life as we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ who will help us navigate some of these things. But we all have issues. I grew up playing basketball. It's always been my favorite sport. So when I got invited to the Timberwolves' uh, first home playoff game two years ago, I was ecstatic. I hadn't been a game in eight years because I'm usually in bed by the third quarter these days. <laughs> 
But I had a second row seat to watch the Wolves take on James Harden and, you know, the Houston Rockets, and the atmosphere was absolutely bonkers. I was waving my towel and fist pumping like a little kid. I high-fived the 70-year-old lady sitting next to me, complete stranger, which is why I was so embarrassed when this picture ended up on the front page of the Star and Tribune. And as you look at this scenario, clearly all these people have issues. Take, for example, this guy who was sitting just right in front of me off to the side here. He actually works for Adidas, carrying a man purse. <laughs> who, who goes to a game carrying a man purse? These two guys, they should be in anger management, especially this guy. I mean, look, I mean, just, he's on it. They have issues. This woman's calling for another drink, you know, she's... <laughs> She's got a few issues. Then there's Harden himself. I mean, he dated Khloe Kardashian. Call for help if I've never seen one. That's, he certainly has issues. This lady, a classic overreactor. Just reacts to everything. She's got issues. But then there's me. The best player on the planet is three feet away from me. And I'm looking for the hot dog man. I mean, I'm just, when my kids saw this, they, they laughed uncontrollably and said, Dad, what was wrong with you? The next day, social media went nuts. One of the video guys in our staff texted me and said, Bob, it's had over a million hits. I told the guy who took me to the game I was with, I said, you know, I'm not, I'll be looking for sermon material tonight at the game, but I'm telling you, not like this. Uh, one guy tweeted, this is like a painting from the Renaissance. And that theme just took off. The Renaissance theme took off. And all of a sudden, I'm in the Last Supper. I mean, it just went, it just went wild. Reddit, Reddit is a worldwide website. They wrote this. What's the blue shirt guy looking at? Then they said, it looks like he just saw the ice cold beer man coming his way. And he cares more about that than anything else. Someone, thankfully, came to my rescue and said, that's Bob Merritt. He's a pastor in the Twin Cities. Probably not interested in sports. Probably thinking about Jesus and stuff. I mean, come on. I do think about Jesus, but I love sports. Can't believe it. Anyway, all that was bad enough. And then a national website called High Top Athletics wrote this. Hey, buddy. <laughs> James Harden's literally right next to you. Also, by the direction everyone else is looking, the actual game is taking place in the opposite direction of where you're gazing. What could possibly have consumed this dude's attention so much that he's not only ignoring the game he paid to watch, actually I did, but also the biggest star in said game is right in front of him. He looks like he's checking the clock at his son's karate class. I mean, God, this thing just went on and on and on. By the way, Ray, for the record, I love sports. I love that the Chinese hockey girls team is here today from Beijing. 24 of you, way to go. Love sports. Also, for the record, I've never been that close to a game in my entire life, so it was beyond amazing. But the point is, gang, I have issues, all kinds of them. Everybody does, but I want to go back to these two guys right here. 
I mean, today's topic is called anger. I mean, what? Everybody else is kind of calm and oblivious, but these two guys just went off. What is it inside them that caused them? But I don't want to be too hard on them because in my worst moments, I'm telling you right now, that's me. Sometimes all it takes for me to get mad is when I think someone has moved my keys. Boy, that's irritating. Usually it's me who's moved them. Or when someone makes a comment on my driving, I hate that, or, or they ask me to change the channel. By the way, this, this right here, the remote, has caused more fights and landed more couples in therapy than anything else. Now, I usually hold the remote, you know, as God intended all men should. <laughs> True. But my wife will sometimes ask me to flip to another channel. I might even be interested in the other channel. But because she asked me to change it, I don't want to do it because I'm stubborn. And I didn't do it for the first 15 years of my marriage, our marriage. But then Ephesians 5.20 grabbed me by the throat. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church, catch this, and gave himself up for her. Such an annoying verse. It's a great verse. But what this is saying is love is not this mushy, gooey feeling thing. Love is when you are willing to give yourself up for the sake of someone else. So now these days, I still hold the remote, but when she asks me to change the channel, I know that's a test of my love. And in that moment, am I going to get mad or will I love her? By giving myself up. Now, before we talk about solutions to anger, there's three things you should know about anger. Number one, anger is absolutely a normal human emotion. We all experience it. Bible says in your anger, don't sin. There's a difference. I mean, God got angry. Jesus got angry. Peter, James, and John got angry. David in the Psalms, read the Psalms. He's been angry all the time. So anger is normal. Second, there's such a thing as good anger. A lot of verses on this in the Bible. I just picked one. The wrath or the anger of God is being revealed against all the godlessness of people, here it is, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Um, a sign that you are spiritually alive is you get angry at evil. You get angry at sin, your sin and other people's sin. You get angry when people lie, cheat, abuse others. You get angry when people suppress the truth and promote a social agenda that's absolutely destroying our families and destroying our country. You get angry about that. It's a sign that God's spirit is at work in your life. Third thing about anger, proximity really matters. You know, people generally don't get angry at people living in another state. They get angry at people living in their house, at relatives, family members, coworkers, classmates. My granddaughters, I have two little granddaughters, age five and two. They fight each other every day. Why? Because <laughs> they live together. I read a stat this week. Kids between ages two and four average six fights per hour. 
90 fights per day. So if you're a parent going crazy, you're not crazy. Your kids are crazy. They fight all the time. That's normal. It's because proximity matters. And no wonder parents are tired. Anger is normal. There's good anger. Proximity matters. But don't let moments of anger that we all have become a lifestyle where you're just mad. Don't let that happen. Why not? Why shouldn't we be mad? Why should we try to control our anger? Because the Bible says a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires or the good life that you desire. It doesn't bring about a good life for you, for anybody else. In fact, the Proverbs say this, an angry man commits many sins, an angry person. That's why in this country, four million women are abused annually by angry husbands or partners. That's why 10 million children are abused in this country annually by angry parents. Anger causes marriages to die, friendships to end, siblings to part ways, neighbors to sue, businesses to fail. One, gang, one of the reasons some of you get passed over for promotion and are distant from family members and maybe have very few or any friends is because of anger. It's destructive. It's corrosive. But the good news is you can change it. Today you can begin on a new path. With God's help, you can reclaim the good life that God desires for you. So let's Look at this just a little bit closer. James 4 in the Bible asks the question, what causes fights among you? Now that's the question, isn't it? What, what causes this fights? And we say, well, that's easy. It's her. It's him. It's that jerk who cut me off in traffic. The boss who embarrassed me, the person who cheated on me. Not saying that didn't happen. Not saying you shouldn't stand up for yourself or be angry over the wrong that was done to you. You might even need to get a restraining order to protect yourself from this angry, uh, hurtful person. But gang, let me, let me tell you something. Ultimately, if we're honest, the anger you're experiencing, the anger you have, is your anger. And if you hang on to that, if you give it life and nurse it, It'll prevent you from having the good life that God desires for you. So James says, what causes fights among you? Don't they come from, notice this, your desires within you. You want something, but don't get it. Notice the pronouns here, your, you, and you. Every fight that I have, there's a common denominator. It's me. I'm mad. And I want to battle. James says, you wanted something to go your way. It didn't happen, so now you're mad. I wanted my food to be hot, my package to be delivered. I wanted my friend to, to agree with me. And when that didn't happen, I got mad. Nothing wrong with wanting things to go your way. But that's just not our world. You know, we think the solution to our, to our anger that we have or are holding is to get everybody else to behave the way we want them to. But gang, that is not our world. 30 times a day, someone's going to anger you. And you can either live mad every day, 
Or you can realize that the world and everybody in it is messed up. And so you make a decision that you're going to let some of this go. And this is so key. You're going to release it to God. Several times a week, I've got to release junk. God, I just need to, I, I need to give this to you. You're big enough to, will you take this from me? This anger, this irritation. Cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. And I just trying to learn how to do that better. It's hard to hear, but I'm telling you, if you're angry, that's your anger. Not your parents, siblings, or someone who wronged you. James says our anger comes from our own desires, our own expectations primarily. Uh, this past Christmas, my wife and I went to our son and daughter-in-law's house for a little dinner, and as soon as I walked into there, they have a nice home, they had this beautiful Christmas tree. I said, man, that's a nice tree. And my son, who's generally mature and well-mannered, said, we almost lost our marriage over that tree. <laughs> and of course they did. I mean, Christmas trees are a fight waiting to happen. That's why my wife and I don't put one up. We fight every time we do. So I just started laughing. He said, it was the worst fight we've ever had. He said, I was furious. David was against it from the start because of the cost and mess and hassle factor. So when it was too big for them to lift into the house and it fell over twice and Sarah wanted it to be moved around a little bit, I mean, the dam broke and it was on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> they fought. Words flew, not physically, but they fought. But who's responsible for David's anger? He is. And he knows it. Truth is, something will anger me every single day. And I can either live mad <laughs> or realize that my anger is really about what's going on inside of me and about not getting my way. So James says, we want something, don't get it. So what do we do when that happens? He says, you kill and you covet. In other words, you attack the person who is irritating you. When he says, really, you should go to God. God, this is, this is making me spitting mad. How do you think I should deal with this, God? Instead of attack, how, how, should, I, how should I do this? And what I'm about to say to you today is, is, is the ball game. If you miss everything else, don't miss this next statement. I got it from Andy Stanley. We keep wanting to change our circumstances, but God keeps wanting to change us. We're not going to change the circumstances. We can make a difference, sure. But my anger is really not about everyone out there because the world is not going to change. Traffic won't get better. Referees are going to make bad calls. People will be unfair. And the only choice I have, honestly, is to live mad every single day or let God change me and teach me how to respond to it. Because isn't this true? We can't control what other people do or say, only how we respond to it. So am I just going to be mad? I don't want to be mad. I don't want to live mad. Because if I do, I'll never be happy. 
I'll be miserable to be around. I'll miss the good life that God wants to give me. So let me, let me get practical for just a second because some of you are listening to this and they're saying, okay, Bob, I get it. I can't change my circumstances, but if you knew how dishonest my boss is, how selfish my brother or sister is, how controlling my mother is, how insulting my friend is, or what that person said about me online, Bob, you would be furious. And you're right. I would be. But God says in your anger, don't sin. Don't let it consume you or control you. Don't let it turn you into a hate-filled person that's going to destroy the work of God in your life. There's a scripture verse that says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If you're a believer here, if you're a Christian, God's spirit lives within you. He never leaves you. But this verse says you can actually you know, squelch the Spirit's work in your life if you don't get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of that so God's Spirit can work. Because if you don't, it'll destroy you. So three, three ways to reduce anger quickly. First one is listen more, talk less. You got to be kidding me. I, I I almost never do this. I fail at this every day. To listen more, James says everyone, all of us, including me, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, for a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Listen more. I'm good at talking, by the way. I know how to win an argument. But think about this. When I win an argument, what have I won? I mean, the person I out-argued isn't thinking, man, what a joy Bob is. What a, oh, I love it when he wins the arguments and I feel like an idiot. Even if I'm right, they're thinking, what a jerk he is. You don't win anything when you win. An argument. It's taken me 20 years to figure that out. Yeah. Here's the key when someone, I'm learning, when someone says something that irritates me, I am learning to just stop, not say a word. I fail at it. Learn to pause, listen, not say, wait 24 hours before you hit the delete button and rip them a new one. I mean, wait, pause. There's actually neurological research on this that measures the time you have to restrain yourself or pause, and it's a quarter second because we just want to fight. They actually call this the life-giving quarter second. They've actually measured this. You have a quarter second to decide either to pause or fight. Ephesians says, in your anger, don't sin. Pause, wait. Wait for a quarter second. Give God a chance to work. You still, by the way, you still might have to challenge that person. Stand up for yourself. That, that can happen and does happen. But you do it with a different tone. You do it with God's help. And some of you are like, Bob, absolutely not. I never give in. I'm in it to win it. And you can do that. But you'll miss the good life of love, joy, family, Success. Now, all this, 
This listen more, talk less takes practice. It feels very unnatural. And talking about something that feels unnatural, this is a hoverboard. If you've ever gotten on one of these things, it feels extremely unnatural. If you don't know what you're doing, bad things will happen. Here's an example of this on YouTube. You can watch this stuff all day long. We just have three examples. This guy's got it. I mean, he's on it. Easy. <laughs> Love that. I mean, it is so unnatural. It'll take years for you to figure out how to listen more and talk less. The guys on the third floor bought a, brought a hoverboard to work about four weeks ago, and they said, Bob, you got to get it. I said, not in a million years. Well, five minutes later, I was on it. And uh, I want to just show you this quick clip. I showed my daughter this clip. Go ahead. She said, man, you look old. I said, well, I am old. First time, by the way, first time on this thing. Coming at you, man. Use those toes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're all coming out, making fun. How about some love? That wasn't bad, was it? First time? All right. So a week later, I went back up, and I wanted, to, I wanted to practice and get better, and it went, it went really well. I was going up and down and not bumping into stuff as much, and then a week after that, I went back up, and it was worse. I was just terrible, and that's, that's how this first way to reduce anger is going to be. Listen more, talk less. It's going to feel real unnatural, but stay with it because we want to reduce the anger. Second way to reduce anger real quick is build in some margin. Uh, because when I'm depleted, I'm dangerous. When I'm stressed and have no energy left, I'm dangerous. I want to show you a quick visual of this. If you're living life at 80% full, you've got margin to deal with irritating people. You know, you've, you're rested, you're, you're good, you, you have space in your life. If you're living at life 95% full, man, you're dangerous. You've got some margin, but not much. Little things tick you off. If you're living at 100% full, you've got nothing left. And I would call this explosive. You're a bomb waiting to go off. The reason some of us are so angry is our life is so packed full. Some, some of it's good stuff, but some of it isn't. And if we're living this way, gang, this is no way to live. You got to start building in some margin. Third way to reduce anger is reduce your exposure to corrosive people. Which is tough because all of us can be negative and hurtful at times. All of us are sinners, including me. But some people, let's be honest, some people are chronically hurtful. They are chronically corrosive. Comes from a damaging place in their life, probably. 
but they're chronically destructive. And if you have a friend, sibling, or coworker like that, no wonder you're upset a lot. It's hard to be around that person. And here's my advice. You would be wise to reduce your exposure to that person. Proverbs says that there are certain people who are fools. It says, look, stay away from them. It also says, don't even speak to a fool. Because they will scorn the wisdom of your words. You might have wisdom. You might have some help or some advice. And you might be right. But if you're dealing with a fool, they will reject your wisdom. They will scorn you. Some people, gang, are corrosive. How do you know if someone's a fool? Fools are always mad at something. They have a toxic, cutting tongue. They never apologize. They're not strong enough. They always think they're right. And they repeat their patterns. So if you have a parent who has always been demeaning and hurtful, what makes you think they're going to be any different next time? I've written a whole chapter on this in, in my book, Get Wise. It'll help you know how to handle a fool. You might have a parent who's a fool, a sibling, coworker. You might be married to one. It's tough. There's ways that you can navigate that and deal with it. Sadly, there was a time in my life when I was always mad. I had a sharp tongue. Wouldn't apologize. And it was a pattern. It took a full year of counseling to sort that out. I still, I still make mistakes. I still struggle at times. One of the people who was a recipient of some of my anger early in life was my sister-in-law, Carolyn. Goes all the way back to high school days when I was dating her sister. I didn't like Carolyn. She didn't like me. I didn't like the crowd she hung with. She didn't like me always pointing that out. This is our prom night. Full of joy. <laughs> this is me. This is my now wife. And that's Carolyn. And Carolyn just hated the whole idea that we were dating. We both had strong opinions about everything. And so for about 10 years, we just locked horns, began avoiding each other until we turned 40. <laughs> and we thought, what are we fighting for? What are we fighting about? I can tell you today, Carolyn Ronan is one of my favorite people. Devoted Christian, a pro-life advocate who helps young girls through pregnancy near their home in Winston-Salem. I'm just so incredibly proud of her. They watch our services online. I love her to death. Four years ago, she and her husband, Tim, sent us a wedding invitation to their oldest son. Wedding, uh, his name is Andy. But I immediately dismissed it because, first of all, it was in Baltimore. Who wants to go to Baltimore? <laughs> Sorry if you're from there. Uh, had a rough night last night. They did, the Ravens. Anyway, uh, and, you know, I, I just didn't have time. I, I didn't have time. Plus, it was going to be expensive flights, hotels. And I, I said, Laura, you go, but I need to stay home and, and stay at work. But as the date got closer, God's spirit began to nudge me, and I decided last minute to book a flight. I had no idea how important that decision was until the night we left to return home. We were saying our goodbyes to everybody, and Carolyn pushed through this noisy crowd, singled me out, 
and said, Bob, I can't tell you how much it means to us that you came to Andy's wedding. I kind of brushed it off. I said, of course we'd come. It was an honor. And then Carolyn did something that I will never, ever forget. She took my face in her hands and she said, Bob, look at me. Tears were pooling in her eyes. She said, I will never forget that you came. And the words that you spoke in your toast to Andy about being a real man was so good for him and for every young man in the group. And then she said, Bob, I love you. I'd never heard her say that. And in that moment, I could feel years of tension fall away into kindness and love. So you can live mad. You can be distant. You can hold a grudge if you want to. But what if God could do a miracle today? What if God could give you both a second chance at loving and relating with no more resentment? Again, sometimes it's not possible because who you're dealing with is so dysfunctional. The Bible says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Some people don't want peace. Sometimes you can't help it. But as much as it depends on you, Shoot for peace. And if it's just pride that's causing the distance and the anger, maybe you could write a note, take the high ground. Maybe you could send a text, book a flight. Maybe 2020 could be the year that you give a life-giving quarter second and see what God will do. Because a person's anger does not bring about the life we all want. When I wrote this message this week, I was writing it for me because I struggle with this. And you just got to listen in on my struggle. And if it helps any of you, that would make me glad. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this planet, living, dying, breaking the curse of death, rising again, so that those of us who put our faith in you can have new life and will rise again one day to join you. God, in the meantime, we need help here on earth. We need help with our issues, whatever it might be. But today, God, I pray that you'll help us with our anger. That we'll listen more, talk less. Create more space in our life, margin. And be careful of our relationships. God, we need your help. We love you and thank you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been great to be with you. Have a great day, everybody. God bless.